Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. This happens to be the Sunday that has the name Jubilate. And Jubilate means rejoice. It means be happy. It means be glad. And you may say as you look out at the weather this morning, of all names for a Sunday, gloomy and rainy, that this should be Jubilation Sunday. But I'm sure that you and I, when Sunday comes, we always find reason to be thankful and to be grateful and to rejoice. And I hope that all of us are glad that we are here this morning to worship our Lord. As you know, this is the third Sunday after Easter, and it is called Jubilate from the Latin word of the intro for the day, which begins, Make a joyful noise unto God. Oh, ye I am. So today is the day when we are to make a joyful noise, when we are to rejoice, we are to laugh, we are to be glad. And I hope that in that spirit you and I may turn to our worship. And the text that I just read is very much in keeping with this Sunday. Uh, this incident occurred on Tuesday of Holy Week, Tuesday before Christ died on Good Friday. If you recall, Tuesday was the last day that he visited the temple. When he left that evening, he never went back. And oh, what a day that Tuesday was. When his enemies were there trying to get him, trying to arrest him, trying to inviggle him in his speech, trying to indeed do everything that they could against him to bring about his death. And then that day there was a little ray of sunshine. Of all things, this was the Passover. And we are told that there came up to the Passover some Greeks. And bear in mind, Greeks were not Jews. These were Gentiles. They were non-Jews. These were different people. They came for the feast of the Passover, and they came and they saw Philip, and they talked to him, and they said to Philip, Philip, sir, we would see Jesus. We may wonder why they talked to Philip. We aren't told, but Philip was the one that had a Greek name. It's made up of two Greek words, Philip and Hippos, or Philip means a lover, and Hippos, horse. So the name Philip means the lover of horses, or a lover of the horse, and evidently it may have been when they heard the name Philip, and they knew that was a Greek word, that they went to Philip, these Greeks who were different, who were Gentiles, who were non-Jews, and they said, sir, we would like to see Jesus. Well, a Philip went to Andrew, and here were non-Jews, here were Greeks, here were Gentiles, here were individuals who were different, but what do you do about it? So they went to Jesus and they told Jesus that there are some Greeks here who want to see you. And when they told Jesus, oh, it must have been a joy, because as the hour has come, he says, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Oh, it warmed his soul. Here is the hour when I am being glorified, I am being magnified, I am being honored, even by Greeks by those that are different. It warmed his soul that Tuesday. And you and I may say from the word of God, what's he saying to you and me this morning? And I'm sure that in view of the fact that Jesus again lifted his voice in jubilation, the hour has come, the Son of Man is glorified, he is magnified, he is honored by Greeks, by those that are different. Uh, Jesus is assuring you and me on this jubilation Sunday, the Sunday when we ought to rejoice, uh, that he is assuring us that he is no less than a universal Savior. He is no less than a worldwide Savior. He is no less than a Savior who came to bring life and salvation for all of us without exception, regardless of our race, regardless of the fact that you and I may be different from others. 
You know, we may find that a little difficult to believe. We may say, do you mean to say that Jesus assures us that he is no less than a universal, a worldwide Savior? That he is no less than a Savior for all of us without exception, regardless of our race, regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of our national origin, regardless of the fact that uh, you and I may be different from others as these Greeks were different from the Jews? And we may say, that rather troubles us. Is he really a universal Savior? Did he come to bring deliverance and life and salvation for you and for me, regardless of what our race may be, regardless of how different you and I may be, how different, greatly different, and how tragically, horribly different you and I may be from others? That may bother us, and we may say, was he just dreaming? Was this an hallucination on the part of Jesus, one of grandeur, that he is able to say, oh, the hour has come, and now I am glorified by the Greeks, by another race, by those that are different? And we may say, we have trouble when we turn to the Word of God at times. We may say to ourselves, I wonder, is he no less than a universal Savior? Did he bring life and salvation for me? regardless of my race, regardless of how different I may be from others, how tragically and horribly different I may be from others. Was this the divine plan? Was this the divine blueprint that he was to be no less than a worldwide Savior coming to bring life and salvation for everyone without one exception, regardless of our race? regardless of how greatly different and horribly different you and I may be from others, we may wonder about, was this... He was, after all, a Jew, wasn't he? Was this the divine plan? Was this the divine pattern that he was to be no less than a worldwide Savior, regardless of your race and mine, regardless of the color of our skin, regardless, again, of our national origin, regardless of how different we may be from others that he was no less than a universal Savior. Was this the divine plan of heaven? Jesus would assure you and me today, and therefore reason to jubilate and reason to rejoice and to thank him that he is no less than a worldwide Savior, a universal Savior. He came to bring life and salvation for all of us without one exception, regardless of our race, regardless of how tragically different you and I may be from others. And all because he would assure you and me that this was the divine plan from the beginning. There was only one blueprint for him, and that one blueprint was very, very clear. There was only one pattern. He was to be no less than a worldwide Savior, a Savior for all of us, regardless of race, regardless of how different you and I may be from others. And let's look at the Word of God this morning. I know it bothers us at times. We may say, was it just dreaming? Was this the pattern? When we read the Word of God, it may trouble us. And in the first place, Jesus would assure you and me of this, that the Old Testament testifies that it was ever the plan, the blueprint of God, that Jesus should be no less than a worldwide Savior, a Savior for all of us, regardless of race, 
regardless of how different you and I may be. Let me trouble you. You may say, well, when I read the Old Testament, I, I wonder about that. Uh, did he come to be the Savior of everybody? We may say, wasn't he, after all, from the nation of Abraham? And wasn't Abraham the first Jew? And didn't God set up a special, peculiar nation? And didn't God cut them off from all other nations and said they were to have no dealings with other nations? Uh, didn't God give them a ceremonial law whereby they could only eat in certain things and eat in certain ways and certain things so they were to eat that they could not have any kind of contact with others? Uh, wasn't he from the Jewish race? Uh, wasn't it therefore, as you read the Old Testament, you say, wasn't it the blueprint that he was not to be a universal savior, that he was not to bring life and salvation for all of us regardless of race? Uh, how about this, that he was a Jew, and that he belonged to, again, the nation of Abraham, and that he was from the tribe of Judah, and that he was from the family of David. Well, that bothers us at times, but let's look at the Old Testament, and we may say, was it the divine blueprint that he was to be a worldwide Savior, that he was to bring life and salvation for you and me and for all men, regardless of our race, regardless of the fact that you and I may be different from any other human being? When we go back to the Garden of Eden, here were Adam and Eve, the first parents. You may say, what race were they? We'd have to say the human race, wouldn't they? They were the world. And when the promise came, a Savior for them, when God said, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. When the Savior was promised, he was to be the Savior of Adam and Eve, who were the world. Here was a universal seed of the woman, a Savior. And when we go down a thousand years to the time of Noah, when Noah blessed his sons, and he blessed again his son Shem, the oldest, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Yes, the Savior was to come from Shem. He was to be a Shemite. And the Shemites, again, were the antecedents of Abraham, of the Jewish race. But don't forget that when he blessed Japheth, he says, And Japheth shall dwell in the tents of Shem. That Japheth, who was the father of Gentiles, of other races that were different from the Jewish race, that this seed of the woman, this Messiah, was to be the Savior also of all Gentile races as well. And it is true when we come down to Abraham that Abraham became the father of a nation. God raised up a peculiar people. He set them apart, a holy nation. It is true, but don't forget that in promising Abraham that from him the seed Messiah would come, that God said, And in thee, Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Bear in mind that even though Jesus was a Jew, that even though the Old Testament deals primarily with the Jew, nevertheless, it was the divine blueprint. It was the divine pattern, the divine plan. From the very beginning, there was no other plan. Then that Jesus was to be no less than a universal Savior. He was to be the Savior to bring life and salvation for all of us, regardless of our race, regardless of how horribly different you and I may be from others. And therefore we look at Isaiah in the Old Testament, and Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. He said, For Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rise, and all they from Sheba shall come. The Old Testament prophesied, Gentiles shall come. Bear in mind, there was one plan, there was one blueprint for the Savior. And that one blueprint, even in the Old Testament, which is primarily the history of the Jews, there was no doubt about it. This Savior, again, the plan of God, the blueprint was, he was to be no less than the universal Savior. He was to be for Gentiles. 
And it does leave some problems. There is no missionary work in the Old Testament, as you know. There was no missionary church. They didn't go out and proclaim the Savior for all. And we may say, so what about those Gentiles, those who were different, that lived in the Old Testament? There was none. The only thing we have is when Jonah went to Nineveh and told the people of Nineveh to straighten up or God would destroy them in 40 days, but that wasn't missionary work. There is no evidence of missionary work in the Old Testament from the time of Adam and Eve until the time of Christ, 4,000 years. And we say, what about those then, the Gentiles, those that were different? The only answer we can say is this. We leave them into the hands of God. It was in the plan of God that there was no missionary work. He kept this race, his Jewish people, intact, and he kept them separate. That's God's business. That's not mine. It's not yours. But bear in mind, when Jesus again, on that Tuesday, when he said, The hour has come, and now is the Son of Man glorified. I am bonded, and I am magnified by Gentiles, those that are different, coming and seeking me as Savior. Let's bear this in mind, that he is no less than a universal Christ. He came to bring life and salvation for every one of us, body none, regardless of your race and mine, regardless of how different, how greatly different, or how horribly different you and I may be, because Jesus assures us that also this Old Testament in testifying about the Savior was testifying about him. He said one day, search the scriptures, that's the Old Testament, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He was virgin-born, as Isaiah said he would be. He was born in Bethlehem, as Micah said he would be. He was again of the tribe of Judah, as it was predicted. He was from the race of Abraham. He was from the family of David. He was that one universal Savior that was to come into the world. There was only one plan. There was only one blueprint in all the Word of God. That's why when Jesus says to you and me this morning, there's a cause for jubilation. He says, I am no less. Well, then he says, the worldwide Savior. I am a worldwide, a universal Savior that came to bring life and salvation for all of you, regardless of your race, regardless of how different you may be. And that's why today on Jubilation Sunday, if we would believe that and rejoice in it, then we ought to say to ourselves, I'm going to believe this that Christ is certainly no respecter of persons as regards a man's race. Here were Greeks that came, again, on this Tuesday, that came to the We don't know who they were. We don't know where they came from. We know they were different. They were not Jews. They evidently had embraced some of the Jewish faith. Uh, the Jews looked upon Gentiles who embraced some of their faith. They called them proselytes of the gate. They were able to go to the gate. Proselytes of righteousness were those that embraced all of Judaism, embracing again their belief in the coming Messiah, who were circumcised. Now these men had not embraced it all, or they could have gone into the temple. They come and they go to Philip and they say, we would see Jesus. Again, Philip is very much disturbed. Here are people that are different. Here are Gentiles. These are not Jews, and they want to see Jesus. What do we do about this thing? And he goes and he talks to Andrew, and they, they wonder about this thing. And we say to ourselves, what about Christ? What about Jesus? Well, Christ, now is the hour. He said, this is my hour. This is the hour when I am glorified. And it brings up the where do races come from? So often I'm asked that question. When we turn to the Word of God, we know when again at the Tower of Babel, when there was the diffusion and the dispersion of people because of languages, we know how again they spread and how languages came. But as regards race, as regards color, we simply don't know. Anthropologists don't know. 
What was the color of the skin of Adam and Eve? I don't know. You can guess just as well as I can. I don't know whether they were white or whether they were black or whether they were yellow or whether they were red. It doesn't tell us. I don't know. And therefore, in the plan of God, all we can say is this. God must love variety in his garden. He must love color. Even as in the spring, when you and I see the flowers come in the myriads of colors and we look at the rainbow and we say, God must love a flower garden with many colors. And therefore, when you and I must say this, that he is no respecter of persons, God never judges us on the basis of our race or the color of our skin or on the basis of our national heritage, where we have come from, or with regard to any difference that may exist in you and me that doesn't exist in others. He is no respecter of persons and our Christism. And therefore, the joy ought to be this. Let's accept what we are. I had nothing to say as regards my race. Neither did you. You and I had nothing to say as regards the color of our skin, did we? We had nothing to say as regards our national background. Nothing whatsoever. And therefore, in the world, we ought to say that this is God's doings. And we ought to jubilate and say, but nevertheless, we've got a Savior who was no less than a universal Savior, who came to bring life and salvation for all of us, excluding not one of us, as regards any difference of race or any difference whatsoever in us, great as the difference may be, or tragically great as the differences may be, that we could accept it. And when we accept it, that brings joy, doesn't it? Jubilation Sunday, something to rejoice about, and Jesus rejoiced on that Tuesday. This was, uh, it was a bright spot in that horrible Tuesday when men were out to kill him. And when again he heard that the Gentiles were there, Greeks, who were non-Jews, men that were different. Now is the hour, he says. This is the hour that he have been looking for. He says, and the Son of Man is glorified. I am magnified. I am honored, he said, by again, by Greeks, by non-Jews, by those that are different. And Jesus would assure you and me that he is no less than a worldwide Savior, that he came to bring life and salvation for you and me. And he said, I don't care what your race is, and I don't care how greatly different you may be from others, or how tragically different, because Christ would assure you, name, uh, this is in keeping with the divine plan. There was only one blueprint as regards the Savior. There was only one pattern. There was one heavenly plan. And Jesus assures you and me that the New Testament testifies that it was the divine plan, it was the divine blueprint, that he should be no less than a universal Savior, a Savior to bring life and salvation for all men, regardless of a man's race, regardless of the differences. You and I may look at the New Testament and say, but the things that bother me, didn't he say when the Syrophoenician woman came and begged him, didn't he say, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? That may bother us. And you, we may say, didn't he say that it's not right to take the children's bread and to give it to dogs? And wasn't he referring to Gentiles? And we may say, in view of what he said, uh, it's hard for us to believe that there was one pattern and that he came to be no less than a worldwide, a universal savior, regardless of race. Didn't he himself say that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? And he did say that. And when we turn to the word of God, it may bother us until we understand Bear this in mind, this is what he was talking about that day. He was saying as regards his earthly ministry of three years, it was confined largely to the Jew. He was a Jew to be sure. He was born of Mary, conceived by the Holy Ghost, but he was a Jew as regards origin. And therefore his ministry was primarily amongst the Jew. He was not saying to the Syrophoenician woman that it was exclusive. As far as his earthly ministry is concerned, 
he was a Jew, he confined himself to Palestine. It would be hard and rather difficult for us to prove that Jesus ever stepped foot on Gentile soil. We do read that he was on the coast between Tyre and Sidon, but we aren't told that he ever went into Gentile territory. He spent his whole life, as far as we know, walking on Jewish soil. We may say, well, doesn't that prove that the pattern, again, may have changed, that maybe he was dreaming that perhaps he had a fantasy that he was to be no less than a worldwide savior for all of us regardless of race regardless of the fact that you and I may be different and not at all because Jesus when again he told the disciples when they came to him he said this he said except the kernel of wheat he says fall into the ground and die he said it remains just the kernel and that's true if you hold a kernel of wheat unless it falls in the ground and it germinates You've only got one grain. But he said, if it does fall into the ground and it germinates, what do you got? You've got a big harvest. And what does he say to you and me in that? He says again, by my death, by my death, I, again, I'm big enough that by my death I will bring forth a tremendous harvest. And what does the Word of God say? That God loved the world, that he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Yes, his ministry was confined to the Jews. But he was undoubtedly and beyond question. He was a universal savior. He came to bring life and salvation because by that death, since he was true God, he bore the guilt and the punishment of the world's sin, of the entire human race. And therefore he assures you and me that this was the original plan and the only blueprint of God, that he was to be no less than a universal savior for all of us, regardless of race, regardless of any kind of a difference, for the reason that he being God, he has brought life and salvation, deliverance from hell and damnation for the entire human race. His great work on Calvary, followed by his resurrection on the basis of scripture, show us absolutely and beyond question that he was no less than a universal savior. He was no less than a world savior. He came to bring life and salvation for you and me, for Jew and for Gentile, for Hebrew and for Greek, regardless, again, of our race, regardless of how greatly you and I may be different from anyone else. And therefore, it's cause for jubilation because we ought to determine today, if we believe that, that he was no less than a worldwide savior, that he came to bring life, deliverance from hell and damnation for you and me, regardless of what our race may be, regardless of how different you and I may be, then when we are troubled as regards this thing of race and this thing of prejudice, we ought to go to Jesus Christ like Philip did and like Andrew did. When they were troubled, they wondered, what do you do? These people are different. These men are not Jews. These men are Gentiles, and they went to Jesus. When you and I look at our world today and this thing of race, when we see this thing getting greater and greater and more malicious than ever, and when we see the uprisings in our own land, when we see it throughout the world, when you read about Armand Jordan, I remember being there, and again, our American embassy being attacked and being, again, set fire to an Armand Jordan. I remember again the tremendous race hatred that existed coming out of Damascus, Syria, when our guide breathed the sigh of relief and I said to him, what do you mean? And he said, whenever I come out of Damascus and I'm alive, I thank God because he says, you never know. The race tension between Jew 
and between Arabs. It is intense. It is terrible. It couldn't be any worse. You and I say, what's the answer to this thing? The answer to this thing is to go to Jesus Christ. When you and I go to him and we realize here is one who is the Savior of all. He is a universal Savior. He came to bring life and salvation for all men. Then and only then as we go to Jesus Christ do we find the answer. Then do we realize that every man is precious in his sight, whether a man's a Jew or whether he's a Gentile regardless of a person's difference. He may be different from others. Then when we treat each individual in that very way, and Jesus says, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall be hated by the world shall save his life unto eternal life. It means just this in this connection in your life and mine, that if we're going through life with a tremendous race prejudice, with a hatred, failing to realize that every man is precious in the sight of Christ, that he died for all men, that he desires their salvation as much as he desires yours and mine. If we're going to save our lives by again, by a hatred and by a prejudice and by your will, let's realize it means throwing our own soul away. This is what ails the world, and it's sad, isn't it? But this is Jubilation Sunday, on that Tuesday of Holy Week that Jesus again, the hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified, it just lifted his soul that day to think that some had come, sir, we want to see Jesus. They were different. They were not Jews. They were Gentiles. They were different. And it just lifted his soul and warmed his heart that he rejoiced. And he assures you and me, therefore, that this is the kind of a Christ he really is. He's a worldwide Savior. He is a universal Savior who came to bring life and salvation for all men without exception, regardless of your race and mine regardless of how greatly different you and I may be from others or how tragically different we may be. Because he assures you, I mean, this was the plan, this was the blueprint of God, it's always been that plan. It was never changed, it's never been different. That the plan of God was that the Savior was to be no less than a universal one for the world. Because Jesus assures us also that the New Testament testifies that the sacrifice that Christ made as the universal Savior, it was to be a timeless sacrifice. We may say, well, if Jesus died in 33, and if he died for the sins of the world, how could that death be of any value back to Adam and Eve and to the time of Noah and the time of Abraham and the time of David? Thank God in the New Testament in the book of Revelation in the 13th chapter we read that God says that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God says, when my son died on the cross, this was timeless. It was, as it were, that he died in the day of Adam and Eve, that he died in the day of Abraham, or in the day of Noah, or in the day of David, or that he died today. God says this was timeless sacrifice. And what does that mean in simple language? It means this, that always has life and salvation in Jesus Christ been offered and been available for all men, regardless of race, regardless of how different they may be. Go back to the Old Testament. You may say, did any Gentiles come into the kingdom of God? Well, when again the children of Israel went around and took the city of Jericho, and you recall the story of Rahab, who was a Gentile, when again she was saved and she married into the Jewish race and embraced the Jewish God and the Jewish religion, there was 
Ruth the Moabitess, who was a heathen, a Gentile girl. She came into the Jewish line in the Old Testament and married, showing what? Showing that the blueprint, the plan of God for the salvation of men has always been this. That Jesus was not dreaming, this was not fantasy, that he is saying to you and me, listen, I am no less than a universal savior. I have come to bring life and salvation for Jew, for Gentile, regardless of a man's race, regardless of how different a person may be. And as you bring it down in your life and mine this morning, we ought to say this, that since he is a universal savior, it matters not what race you and I may be of, it matters not how different, we ought to come to him, and we ought to come to him without fear, without hesitation. We ought to come in every confidence, regardless of how tragically different you and I may be from others. You may say, what do you mean by being tragically different? Regardless of your race and mine, how different are you from others? How different am I? How many of us are here this morning to say, I'm tragically different from others? Look at my life. Look what I have been guilty of. How in the world could he be my savior? Look at the sins that are charged to my account. Let's look at Judas for a moment, when Judas again. Could he go back? There were things in his life that he simply couldn't change. One thing he couldn't change, he was a Jew. Well, that couldn't be changed. The other thing he couldn't change that he had betrayed his Lord. Christ was arrested and put to death. He couldn't unravel that. He couldn't change it for the world. He couldn't roll back the universe and say, give me yesterday. There was, again, he was different. He betrayed his Lord. And yet what happens? He's afraid to go for fear that Jesus was not big enough for him. Then he commits suicide, thinking that that brings an end to torture, and it doesn't. Suicide is no end to torture. It just simply is deliverance of your soul and mind into eternal torture of the thing that tortures now. Well, that's tragic. That's not the end. And I mention that because just this week a number of you threatening suicide. It isn't the answer, friend. Had Judas gone to Jesus Christ, Jesus would have told him, you can't change it. You are different. You betrayed me. But if you tell me you're sorry, and if you ask me to forgive, I'll gladly forgive you that where I am, you can be with me in heaven too when you die, and my Father will honor you. Take a woman like Madeline O'Hare. You may say, look at the damage that woman has done. Supposing there would be a right about face and an awakened conscience. That woman has caused many a young person to leave his Christ and Lord. She has caused many a man to deny God. She has done an irreparable damage to immortal souls that only God knows. If she would ever turn, she would say, oh God. God, how different I am, tragically different. I can't undo what I've done. Nevertheless, Christ would say to her, she came into repentance and faith, I forgive you. Where I am, you can be with me. My Father will honor you. I suppose we'll hear more about her since the astronauts landed safely. And I'm sure it was a solemn moment, wasn't it, on the Iwo Jima? when again the world stopped.
And again, the commander of the boat said, the chaplain will lead us in prayer. In the Christian world, we were together, weren't we? Christians all over the world. We bowed in prayer and we thanked God. You and I know why they came back. Yes, you and I know if it wasn't for God, they'd have been burned up. But Christians, and you and I prayed, and we stood there in tears, didn't we? And we thanked God. And she will have something to say because she couldn't thank God for anything. But a nation stood in reverence. Christians. And we thank God. God brought them back. Men and men's instruments failed. God brought them back. And we thank him, don't we? You and I may say, I may be horribly different. I don't care what's on your soul this morning or what's on mine. I do know this, that Jesus says, I'm your Savior too. I don't care about your race. I don't care how tragically different. And in Holy Communion, he says, and I'll give you my body and my blood that I gave in death and opened up heaven to assure you that though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. What greater Christ could you and I want? We can walk the glory road and jubilate and say, what a Christ. He again came to save me. He doesn't care what race I am, and he doesn't care how tragically different I am from others. He is big enough to save me. But we can walk the glory road this morning, we can sing, it is no secret what God can do what he's done for others he'll do for you with arms wide open he'll pardon you it is no secret what God can do because on Tuesday your Lord and mine when Greeks wanted to see him and he surely saw them this is the hour I am glorified what a Christ. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.